Hallelujah. It is a double privilege for me to be here today with you. First of all, because uh, I know that this church has been on the front line of revivals and the things of the Spirit. Um, actually, I feel like I'm part of uh, Pastor Collins' group of 13. Uh, in many ways, my life was blessed, and I owe so much to the teaching uh, that he has shared uh, through the uh, vision. Uh, I studied the 12 books in the, in the, in the uh, Sword of the Spirit series. We've translated those books into Romanian, and we use them for teaching in our country. Uh, so I don't know how many others I are lined up to be in the group of 14th or 15th or 1,000th, but at least I'm one of the spiritual sons of Pastor Colin of this church, and I'm really uh, grateful for the, the way you have been a blessing for us. Uh, I'm so grateful also for the people who have traveled already to Romania, Pastor Praise, Pastor Deo gratis, uh, Pastor Jeremy, Dave Wellington, and uh, Samuel, and others who came and shared, and uh, it was uh, so wonderful to have them, especially as we are launching now a vision to plant churches in the least evangelized uh, part of Romania. So it's, it's a double portion of me of honor and privilege to be here, because at the same time, I, I feel that I'm honored and privileged to stand before you to represent the church in Romania. Because I'm not here for myself, or it's not about me. Uh, it is a work that God is doing in these days in, in our country. It is a vision that God has brought and has uh, shared uh, and has uh, put on the church. And it's a new time. It's a new day for the church in Romania. And I am privileged to be an ambassador to you and uh, telling you about what God is, is doing in, in our country. So uh, thank you so much for uh, being willing to uh, actually go against the current to invite a Romanian to UK in these days when the media is uh, getting crazy about that. Uh, you, you have the courage to invite a Romanian to, to your country to share about the work of God uh, uh, in Romania. Actually, in the midst of all the prejudices and all the discussions in the media, I'd like to tell you that the only answer to the problem of the gypsies, for example, is the gospel. Uh, we have seen that in Romania. Uh, the media wouldn't tell about it, probably. But, for example, there is a village in, in, in our region uh, that has about 6,000 people. All of them are gypsies. 6,000 people in that village, all of them are gypsies. 4,000 of them came to Christ. And... It was a change so profound, nobody can deny it. It's a total transformation. I was at a baptism service where we baptized 300 people in one, uh, in one uh, service. And they do that every year. Other 300 and another 300 of people come to Christ. And the European Union should know about it because they spend millions of euros trying to reintegrate them, to bring about change in those communities, and they are unsuccessful. But when the gospel comes into a population like that, God is able to change them. So we glorify God for the power of the gospel in our generation. And one more thing about Romania. We actually don't eat horse meat. We just export it. So Now uh, I actually want to go into a brief presentation of what is going into Romania. 
And uh, there is some information about our country that may be uh, valuable in trying to explain what we are doing in these times in, 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 in the country of Romania. Uh, what you see on the map is the country of Romania and the yellow part on the map is the Constanza County, the area where, where I live right now. Uh, Romania is... Uh, most of you know, I show that when I go to other places. But for 45 years, Romania was a communist country and communism has brought a massive destruction at each level of society. Uh, Romania was actually like a large prison. Uh, our country was called in those days the People's Republic of Romania and uh, somebody said it was actually the Prison's Republic of Romania. Uh, judges, army generals, medical doctors, university professors and lawyers and uh, all the uh, high uh, educated people in the society at the beginning of the communism were sent to jail. The prisons were loaded with people who had so, so much education. There were people with three university degrees in, into the prisons of Romania, and most of them died in those prisons, were actually, uh, were at least were brought to a level they couldn't bring any change any longer in the society. Um, I have visited, for example, a prison cell in, uh, in the northern part of Romania. In chains, they put religious leaders they put pastors and priests, they put uh, political leaders, uh, army generals, and they were not allowed to bring anything good into their nation. Instead, the leadership level of the country was replaced with people who had no morals, no standards, were just good and willing to bow their heads to the communist regime. And because of that, after communism has collapsed, the damage that they have brought into our nation for 45 years was not easy to, to, to counteract. Actually, it's 24, hour, 24 years now since the revolution in 1989, and it's still a time of transition. There's many people who battle the difficulties and trying to sort it out, to come to a new life, which is not so easy. That's why God has called the church to be a vehicle of, 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 uh, of transformation. I live in the Constanza County, the southeastern part of Romania, which is one of the least evangelized uh, parts uh, of our nation. Uh, communism has brought poverty all over the country, but especially in the rural south of Romania, it's extremely difficult. I have been with uh, the three pastors who visited us last month, and I took them to some of the ghettos at the edge of the town. And I could see on their face they were pretty surprised to find out in a European country, in 2013, in Europe, uh, such poverty, people that have no ways of surviving, people who uh, live with as little as nine euros a month, what the government gives to those poor families for each child. In our town, in the city of Medjidia, there were 10,000 workers that were laid off immediately after the fall of communism. In a city with 50,000 people, when 10,000 people lose their jobs almost overnight, that brings a disaster at all levels in society. There's many villages where we have planted churches and there is not a single church member that has a job. 
Not a single church member in some of those villages that would have a job regularly. And because of that, those children who live in that situation, in that poverty, are uh, very easily taken into human trafficking. Um, uh, they uh, are taken to other countries and used for prostitution. And the challenge is very, very serious on that population. Spiritually speaking, the darkness is also very serious in our country. Right now, the Orthodox Church is trying to put up a very big uh, cathedral in the center part of uh, Bucharest. Uh, they call it the Cathedral of Salvation of our nation. And they think by building big walls, they will change something in the climate uh, of the country. Well, we know that in Europe already. Big cathedrals are present in every major city of Europe, and they don't have a spiritual impact. Yet, people try to continue in the old-fashioned, hoping that this will bring change. Our area is also famous for the influence of Islam. Uh, all the Muslims in Romania, actually, more than 90% of them, live in our region, in Constanza County. Uh, my city is the headquarters of Islam in Romania. Uh, they have a high school, they have a seminary, uh, they built two mosques, and they are in the process of building the third one in my city. Uh, and there is a lot of investment uh, taking place right now in the southeastern part of Romania. Actually, the Muslims in these days, they see Medjidia in Constanza County as the gate to enter in the eastern part of Europe. So it's a strategic place and we believe that these villages, these towns need as soon as possible to have strong churches established so that there will be something in the way that will prevent this uh, influence of Islam to uh, expand in the rest part of Romania. So we have started to plant churches just because we saw the urgency to bring the gospel to all the people in our region. The first church we planted was uh, when our church was very small, we were just 25 people. But we just wanted to go to a new place and to bring the gospel, so we went into a village and we purchased the bar. Uh, you see it in the, on the screen. Uh, we say that this is the best way to start a church. You have already the clients, the people who need God the most. <laughs> so... They are the ones that need to hear the message of the gospel. So we went there and we purchased the, the bar in the center of the village. We renovated. And then we, we saw many other villages that needed church. And we went from place to place. Actually, I moved to Medjidia because when I was a student, I traveled for the first time in my life in that region. And I met a deacon from a small church. And he was sharing to us the situation in the southeastern part of Romania. And at some point, with tears in his eyes, he began to tell us, I feel, he said, that God is not the God of the people in the south of Romania. He said it like that. I believe that God has forsaken the south of Romania and he doesn't care about it. I was shocked to hear that from the, from, from the mouth of a minister of the gospel. And he was crying when he said that. But it was his feeling that God has forsaken that region. Very soon after I moved into the region, I, I realized why he said that. I saw that there was so much darkness. There were people who never had the Bible in their hands, never met a born-again believer. We have over 100 villages where there is not a single born-again believer and not a single church. Because of that, 
we started, as we said, to plant churches and also to reach to the people who are in, uh, who are in, in greatest needs. So we started to do social work. Uh, God gave us, by a miracle, a building, a, a very large building in the center part of the town that we converted into a community center. There we bring now many children every day and we give them food, we give them clothes, we teach them the Bible, we teach them and we give them literacy classes. And uh, it's, it's amazing to look at the pictures before and after of those children. Children who were yesterday in the garbage bins of the town and uh, eating from those places and now who come to our church services and who recite poems and recite uh, psalms and sing and glorify the name of Jesus. It is our desire to bring change in the society at all these levels and we are so grateful that uh, Kensington Temple wants to be part uh, of this process. Now at this time God has blessed us with a large ministry team people that were trained and were called by God to move to the southeastern part of Romania. And they all share into this vision. They are all workers with a vision to plant churches. Their desire is to go to a few more other villages in the next few years, and they already started at a new level. God gave us a vision for the entire Constanza County, and together with the churches that we have in our region, we want to move from eight mother churches to 22 mother churches in the next 10 years. Also from 16 daughter churches, we want to move to 44 new churches. It's a bigger plan than our resources, than our abilities, but we know that God is into this and we know we have seen God uh, bringing this, uh, this vision to a fulfillment faster than we could, uh, we could imagine it. Um, We divided Constanza County in eight regions. There's a mother church that is overseeing all of these eight regions. And our region is the blue one in the middle. It used to be like that in the previous years. We have planted already 12 churches into this part in the blue area. And now we want to expand it to another 12 villages. Uh, we have seen God already moving into the 12 villages where we have planted the churches. And we believe now that God is going to uh, help us to reach to, the news, uh, to, to these uh, new places. After working into the southeastern part of Romania for 16 years, now I can confirm to you for sure that God is also the God of the people in the south part of Romania. He is saving people. He is healing people. He is baptizing people in His Holy Spirit. So it is a time to sow the seed of the gospel. One more thing about uh, reaching Romania is that we are so close to the Muslim nations in the eastern part of Europe. We're so close to Turkey, for example. From my town, is just a six-hour drive to Istanbul. So we already sent from our church two missionaries who work in Turkey. One of them works in a church planting team in Istanbul, and they have planted already a church there. And another lady works with the Iranian community in Turkey, with those refugees, and she trains people for the underground church to minister uh, 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 among the Iranian community. Uh, God has also given us a vision for Romania, and it's, we're in the process of finalizing the, the strategy, but there's 80 cities in Romania where there's not a Pentecostal church yet, and uh, 
in our country right now, we're getting ready to celebrate in a few years, a hundred years from the beginning of the Pentecostal movement in Romania. So we're praying and we're believing God that the churches will come together and in the few years until that centennial, will be able to reach to every city so that when we'll celebrate a hundred years from the beginning of the Pentecostal movement in Romania, to be able to say that the gospel has arrived in every single city of Romania. Now, one more picture about my lovely family. They are uh, uh, serving the Lord and uh, they are such a blessing for me, allowing me to travel and to minister in different places. Uh, if you want to find out more about our work, you're uh, more than welcome to check our website or uh, find uh, more, uh, email me. And uh, also there will be some flyers when you exit the hall. If you want to find more about Romania, there's a few flyers that you can uh, take out with you. I'm very aware that uh, preaching at the Kensington Temple is uh, not uh, something that... Uh, I can take lightly. Uh, I know that in this church you have very deep teaching in the Word of God. I know you have very experienced ministers who share the Word here. And um, I can only remember a situation when I was preaching in a church in L.A., in a Romanian church. And it was also a famous Romanian church, a very famous pastor. The pastor was not in the church that Sunday. I was feeling for him. And... Uh, um, the associate pastor was sitting next to me and I said, you know, I'm a little bit nervous knowing that I preach to this church and so forth. So he turned to me and he said, you know, it's true that in our church we have very, very strong messages, very, very deep teaching. And the truth is that our church has got it so much that they will really welcome a shallow preaching. <laughs> so I don't know how you'll consider my message this morning, but at least... I want to tell you that I want to bring from, the, from my heart a message that talks about the church planting vision that God has for, its, for his kingdom in this generation. I want to speak today about the momentum in church planting because we shouldn't be just satisfied with hearing a few stories from here and there about a new church that was planted. We cannot be satisfied in a generation and in an age where things are decaying and going down so fast in our society. We shouldn't be satisfied with just a few people who come to Christ. When we look in the New Testament, we find out that there was a momentum, that there was a movement that started to grow and continued to grow and expanded and was able to reach and bring transformation on a large scale. And this is what we need in these days. When we look in the example of Apostle Paul, when we look in the Bible, we see a movement that was transferred so seriously, so deeply, so continuously, that three centuries after that, the church was still growing and was still expanding. A momentum is a word taken from physics, and you have on the screen that image. It's the Isaac Newton's model. He was explaining that once a movement is generated, it has a momentum that can be transferred for a longer time if all the conditions are met. For example, to move 
A heavy truck, it takes a very strong energy. If there's a heavy truck and a motorcycle next to each other at a green light, when, when the light turns green, the heavy truck will have to go very slowly until it would come to full speed, while the motorcycle can jump and go very quickly to 100 kilometers an hour. And the same thing will happen when they would want to stop. The motorcycle can stop very quickly, while the heavy truck will need a lot longer distance uh, in order to stop. I'm fascinated by what I see in the New Testament. A movement that is transferred and that puts a whole church in movement and that momentum is growing everywhere. You didn't find the shallow Christians. You didn't find the people who are not so interested in reaching other believers. You see a church that was transferring the power of Jesus to the next generation and to the next generation at an enormous speed. In the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people are transformed by the gospel and they come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then, very soon you find 5,000 people joining the church. And then you see the gospel going to other ethnical groups, to other nations, to other continents. You see that the gospel was expanding at full speed. So, we're right to ask ourselves, is that possible in our days? Can we believe God for a new momentum in church planting? Can we believe God for a new vision to bring the gospel in our generation to all the nations, to all the cities, to all the towns, to all the villages where the name of Jesus Christ is not known? If it was possible in the days of the apostles when the resources were so little, when the church didn't have most of the things we have in these days, then it should be possible in our days. God has not changed. The gospel is the same. The power of Jesus has not declined the momentum. The problem with the momentum is not at God. There's, there was something that stopped us from continuing in the same power that is available for the church and continue to be available for two millenniums. There is a momentum that we can see in the New Testament and we should desire to be again replicated in our churches. We're surprised when we read in the New Testament that the apostles, for example, they didn't pass a set of the doctrines to the other generation. They didn't write down the creeds as we do it today because they were so busy with planting churches. The doctrines came up as they were doing already the ministry. The apostles, the, the students of the Bible are surprised to discover they didn't even provide a list of the books of the canon of the New Testament because, again, they were busy with going out with the gospel. They didn't even, even provide a method of how to do church because they were busy with preaching the gospel. It was a momentum where everyone was involved in the vision and in the call that God has provided for that generation. 
And the gospel was unstoppable in that generation. The emperors couldn't ignore it. The pagan tribes, wherever the gospel arrived, they couldn't ignore it. The idol makers in Ephesus couldn't ignore the gospel because the gospel was changing nations and changing the entire generations. Now, I want to turn your attention to a passage in the first book of Thessalonians, first letter to Thessalonians, where Paul is describing this momentum that took place with the early church. This momentum that happened when he went to preach the gospel in the, in the church of Thessalonica. So I shall read the first 10 verses of, of this letter, it's the first chapter, and we'll see the impact the church had in that generation. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brother, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know, what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became example of all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Amen. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonica and he's reminding them how the gospel penetrated that city, how the gospel has transformed them and continued to grow and to expand with a momentum that couldn't be ignored by anyone around. There is three characteristics of this momentum that I want to bring about in this message uh, to you. First of all, this church had a great momentum because it had a good start. I mean, they had an authentic conversion. The transformation in their lives was so deep, so profound. Their start was so good. And that's why they could go with the gospel at full speed later. It's very important the way we start in our Christian walk with the Lord. Paul says about this church in the first verse to the church of the Thessalonians in, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a whole church that was in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is an excellent title. We love to call our churches in many ways. We use different phrases to describe the vision. 
Paul said about that church, they are in God. They are in Jesus Christ. It's a church that had a very profound experience with Jesus Christ. Paul says later, you became followers of us. In verse 6, you became followers of us and of the Lord having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Paul says it's not church transfer. It's not an outward change. It's not some changes that are just in the appearance. He says, these people have become imitators of Jesus. They are followers or imitators of Jesus Christ himself. We have here on the first row a group of people who... Today are going to testify their faith in Jesus Christ. Well, if there is something Paul would have told you today, is that you have to become imitators of Jesus Christ himself. It is something that has to go so deep that everything we do and think and act has to resemble with our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says here in verse 6 that you have received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. If you ask the believers in the West about persecution, they will most likely tell you that persecution is something very terrible. And for sure, persecution is nothing something to enjoy. But if you ask the underground church about persecution, you'll find out they, they describe it with different words. Most likely they will tell you that it is a blessing. It's a time when they realize the presence of Jesus Christ in the most closest manner possible. It's a time when they know they pay a price and that price actually has given them a chance to know Christ so intimate. That after some of these people were released from prison, they tell you, I've never had a better life, in, a better day in my life than those days when I was prison. I stood along people like uh, Richard Wurmbrand, who was 16 years in prison for the gospel. And he was telling us, his he was cheering, uh, cheering those moments, those three years when he was in complete solitary confinement. He didn't see a person for three years. He didn't see the light, the daylight, for three years. Paul says, you have received the gospel with much affliction. There is something about conversion, because the Bible says, whoever wants to live godly will be persecuted. So if you're not persecuted at all, that means you're not really trying to live according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you look in the book of Acts, wherever the gospel went, it caused opposition. It caused the riots against the people who are living according to the will of God. We should get more prepared to hear that every time a person comes to Christ... It should be such a new and radical living. It should be a real conversion to the point that everyone would notice. Everyone would see he is no longer how he used to be. I was visiting a church in the southeastern part of Turkey. 
And I really loved the pastor of the church, a, a man with a great spirit, with a great passion for the gospel. So I thought myself, uh, I should invite him to our missions conference in Romania. So I said, Pastor, you know, next year we have a missions conference. Would you like to come? And he said, what month? I said, in the month of February. He said, um, no, I can't come in, in February. And if you know me well enough, you know that I can't take no as an answer. That's why finally Pastor Colin came to Romania, because I insisted a lot. So I said, why can't you come in February? So he said, uh, most possibly I'll be in jail. Now I have my uh, calendar, and I plan places to go for next month, for next year, but I never planned to go to jail. Did you? <laughs> So I was surprised to, to, to get that answer. And I said, how comes you, you know that you might be in jail in February? So he said, you know, we started these meetings. They are not approved by the government. We faced a lot of opposition. And finally, they took us to court. I'm free now. But in February, it will be the verdict. And most possibly, they will put me into jail. If you were that person, would you still be in the country waiting the verdict? Or you'd just be looking out to, to go to other countries where you'd be free to, to, serve, to serve the Lord. Paul says about these people, you are in Jesus Christ. You are transformed. You are imitators of Christ. You are so serious about your faith. You are ready to pay a big price. Your conversion was so radical that when the gospel has reached you so profoundly, it gained momentum. Those people were unstoppable. Not because of so, such fancy uh, strategies, but because they were really touched and transformed and renewed and filled by the power of the gospel. You cannot build a momentum with people who come to church just because there is good music, there is good preaching, there is friendship or anything like that. You can build a momentum with people who have been touched deep inside and who are radical in serving God. A second thing that is characterizing this church in, Thessalonian, in Thessalonica and um, is very worthy to mention is that they also were characterized by an unceasing intercession. It was a movement of prayer. Paul is mentioning that started with him and was continuing with the church in Thessalonica. In verse 2 he says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. Paul says, Our prayers are about you. All our prayers, he says, are about the work that God has started. A momentum can be built in our generation only when the church is united in prayer for the lost. When the church is realizing that there are some hot spots on the map of the world, some areas where the enemy has built strongholds, that cannot be destroyed otherwise, only through prayer. Paul says, in all our prayers, I'm committed to be part of what you're doing. 
In all our prayers, we are surrounding you. We remember your labor. We remember your love. We remember your patience. So everything you do benefits also because of our prayers. I saw your prayer bulletin for this month, and I'm so glad when I see that you've included Romania and you pray for our country. I remember after the revolution, there were missionaries coming from all over the world in our country, and they were telling us, we have prayed for your country. We've prayed for your country for 10 years, for 20 years. And I was so surprised to hear that because the country was so close, we couldn't talk to other people. We, we hardly could get any information about the church outside. We didn't know how many churches were outside. We didn't know almost anything about that. So to find people all over the world who are telling us that they were praying for us was so encouraging. Well, prayer works. So if we pray today for the church in Iran, for the church in Sudan, for the church in other parts of the world, it is something that it matters. Paul says in all our prayers, we mention to God what the church in Thessalonica is doing. Changes come to prayer every time we commit ourselves to prayer. We have seen that in our ministry. Uh, I could give you many examples, but I'll give you just a recent one. There's a new village where we started to plant a church. And actually, there have been many years with us trying to go into, in that village. And there was a lot of opposition from the Greek Orthodox Church, from the mayor. They even ran after us with a big dog. I, I've been into that situation. There were many threatening uh, situations. And after many attempts, finally, the door was open. And last year, I think in September... We were able to reach again to that people, and three people started to join our meetings. There were three ladies from that village coming regularly to our meetings, and it was awesome, and we were really glad with that. Until one day, a man who used to be a believer from a nearby village, actually he was part of the team that was going to plant a church in the other village. He had a moral situation in his life, so he wanted to marry a lady who was already married from that village, a lady who was not a believer, so he fell in love with her, so he told us, Pastor, no matter what you say, I'm going to do it. So he wanted that lady to get a divorce and to marry him, and we tried to counsel him, and lengthy hours, we talked to him, we prayed for him, and he just didn't want to change his mind, he said, I want to take this way, no matter what you said. Then we realized that that situation wasn't just a problem for this man, but it was now affecting the entire church planting project for that village. Because the husband of that lady from the village, her husband went, went and spoke to the husbands of the three ladies who were attending our church. And he said, you know, one of those Christians is destroying my family. So those men forbid their wives to come to our meetings. And that was the moment when I realized it's not just a moral situation here. It's not, it's not just a problem with that man. We realized that the enemy has devised a strategy to block that church plant. It was about a stronghold that he was building again so that the gospel would not succeed, would not prevail in that village. So immediately, 
we decided a few days of prayer and fasting, and we went to that village. We went to, to, to that village one day, and we surrounded the whole village, and we made teams of two, and we went on every single street in the village. And we went on those streets and prayed. And we had a spiritual battle until we had the assurance that God will do something. To be honest, I couldn't imagine how God would do that because the damage was already done. That man didn't want to change his mind. He already, she, that lady was already filing for divorce. So I had no idea how things will change. Two weeks later, we announced a family conference in our church. And that man had the boldness to bring his friend to the church, to the family conference, because he said, we'll be a family. What could he do? They were in the meeting, and we had a guest speaker who, who uh, spoke at that conference, and he just presented the will of God about family, about divorce, and all that. To our complete surprise, the one that changed her mind was that lady. She was not a believer. She is not a believer yet. But after the service, she went to that man and said, I understand that there is a God and his will is for me to go back to my husband. I was shocked. I would, I would have never imagined or appealed to convince that lady. I did all I could through counseling to convince that man. But it was a stronghold. It was actually a plan of the enemy that God had to destroy. Brothers and sisters, if we want to see a momentum in this generation... We need to get united in our prayers. To realize through the Spirit what are the strongholds that prevent the gospel in this generation to go to every people and to fight as Paul was fighting for the church in Thessalonica. And in the third place, there's something that characterizes this church and it's the divine strategy that the Holy Spirit was employing for transformation in Thessalonica. Paul says for, in verse 8, From you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. It was a message that has gone forth so powerful but Paul says, God has designed the strategy. Somehow, first of all, the word went out to Macedonia. That's the north of Greece. Then it went south to Achaia. That's the south of Greece. And then, Paul says, in every other place. That's what we call momentum. It's when the gospel goes out through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not a human strategy. It wasn't a strategy that Paul drew on a map. It is a strategy that was actually the strategy of the Holy Spirit. Paul affirms in verse 4, he says, I know, brethren, your election by God is God's strategy. He has elected you. He has elected us. God has placed us in this generation because we have a destiny to fulfill. It's not our strategy. It's not our vision. It's not our ideas. All we have to do is to align with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants again to build a dynamic movement, 
to build the momentum in our generation. Paul acknowledges that the people in Thessalonica were elected by God, were chosen by God, were ready to go and confront the spirits in their generation. He says in verse 9, in the second part of the verse, you turn to God from idols to serve the living and the true God. These were people who turned from the idols, went through a severe, from, uh, through a very serious conversion, and now they're ready to confront the idols in their generation. Now, if we were to talk about the idols in our generation, the discussion would be forever. There's this spirit of political correctness. We cannot say any longer what's wrong and right. There is this spirit of religious tolerance of all evil. Be careful, it's just tolerance for all evil. They are not tolerant when you try to do something good. But if you are doing something wrong, that has to be tolerated. That's the spirit of our age. There's a religion of syncretism. There is the spirit of Islam, and there is so many spirits in our generation that we need to be aware. Paul says to, about the church in Thessalonica, they received the power, they turned away from idols, and now they were used by God in that generation to confront the idols of their days. A divine strategy. It means that the Holy Spirit is transforming people to become new church planters, new evangelists. The best church planters and evangelists in this hall, I want to tell you who they are. It's not a new revelation, but I'm telling you, telling you there's a few people here who can be the best evangelists in this generation. They're the people who sit on the front row. That's what the history says. The new converts, when they receive the gospel, with all passion. In the first six months, they have the opportunity to win more people to Christ than other people who've been 30 years in church. So use the opportunity God has given you. In closing, I just want to downsize this in, in one minute from the church level to the personal level. Brothers and sisters, if somewhere in history people lost the momentum, if people lost the passion, God wants to give it to us again. And in order to do that, at the individual level, all of us have to search our hearts. First of all, are we truly transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is there a radical decision to follow Christ? If you are in two worlds, if your heart is separated between doing the will of God and fulfilling your own desires. You cannot be used by God in a momentum. So today may be a day when we rededicate us, ourselves to God to be radical in our serving of Jesus. Also, we should rededicate us to pray and to intercede using God's agenda. God has a plan for this generation. We just need to be in the Spirit to understand what the Spirit is saying today to the church. And we should be praying in that direction because when we pray in the Spirit, when we pray God's agenda, the strongholds will fall down. And finally, we should search our hearts to see if we are willing 
to enter in the destiny, into the strategy, into the divine vision that God has for this generation. Know your election. Know that you are called. Know that God has designed these days that all of us will be part of the momentum of transformation. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, thank you that it's your movement. It's your work. It's your strategy. It's your plan that you have done from eternity. And thank you that we, at this time, don't have to carry our own burdens. Don't have to carry any other burden than to know that we have to make ourselves available to you. Lord, we want to be radical in our living. Help us to make a difference in our lives and to understand, to separate what is your will and what is our own, our flesh's desire. And help us to be radical in fulfilling your will. Lord, we pray that you will give us a new and fresh spirit of intercession that in this generation will be able to pray your agenda. And also, we pray that in this momentum, everyone in this hall will understand the calling, the divine election, the divine plan that you have for us. And we thank you that you will build the momentum in everyone's lives and in your church in this generation. Amen. God bless you. Yes, sure. Join us in prayer for Vasilika as well. He's come to minister to us today, and we want to bless him as he goes back to Romania. Father, we thank you for Vasilika and him sharing his heart with us for a nation, Lord God. And Lord, we thank you, Father, that you've put before us a man, Father, who's carrying a nation in his heart with a desire to see the gospel spread right across, not just Constanza County, but right across the entirety of the nation, Father. And Lord, we thank you for breathing upon that vision and that alignment to your spirit, Lord God. Lord, we thank you for the momentum, Father, to carry them forward, to see that vision for 2020 achieved, Lord God, for and to see them break through, Lord, to see those uh, 44 daughter churches planted, to see the 22 mother churches established, Lord God. Lord, we thank you, Father, that you'd resource them, that you'd get behind them, not just physically and financially, but spiritually, Lord God, and that there'd be a pushing back of the works of darkness and a bringing forth of the gospel of light in those areas, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you thank so much. You. Thank you, God bless.